evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Sterlings. How are you this fine evening, James? I am very hungover, Patrick. Last night was our work Christmas party, and my boss gave us the company credit card um, to go ham at the bar, and we kind of overdid it a bit, including himself, um, and our boss got kicked out of several bars and clubs before we called it a night. Um, good evening, um, but I'm definitely feeling the effects of it today. Certainly um, a lot more fun than my evening. Uh, there was a hell of a storm uh, last night here in Brisbane, and I lost power. So instead of uh, finishing off Armoured Core like I was intending to do last night, I instead had candles and was reading a book, which uh, was uh, far less exciting. Ah, I see. (laughs) Back in the dark ages. Yeah. Luckily, I um, grounded out today and was able to finish it. So. Yeah, we're a highly professional and organized unit here at the Retrospectives podcast. And um, as you mentioned, Patrick, this week we're doing Armored Core 1. Um, you chose this game. Would you want to let us know why you chose it? So it was a combination of two reasons. Um, firstly, one of the people on our Discord, Bruno, um, kept harassing me to pick it. <laughs> I think harassing is the, reason... the, um, the correct way of putting it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a uh, persistent harassment. But the. Um, the real reason I did this game, unlike many of the other games he suggested, is that Armored Core is by From Software. And um, as everyone in our Discord knows, I am obsessed with Dark Souls and literally never stop talking about it. And this is one of the very first games that uh, From Software ever made. So I was excited to see, I guess, the origins of the company, considering that I think that the last five titles they released well not dark souls 2 but most of the last titles they released <laughs> were like flat out masterpieces so i want to go back in time kind of like we did with um hideo kojima's police knots yeah and notably um i think armored core one was made before uh, miyazaki joined who i guess is the the main director that people associate with from software these days so i was also quite interested in seeing if you know this old game still had the great from software touch Um, even before a lot of their notable names joined the company. At the very least, it certainly has uh, a couple of references, but but we'll get into that later. Um, So here on the Retrospectors podcast, what we aim to do each and every episode is review and discuss discuss rather there is a lot of disgust on this podcast let me tell you (laughs) there there is there's mutual disgust and uh disgust about different things but uh We aim instead to discuss these old games, and interestingly, we are aiming to do it through a modern lens. So we're not trying to appreciate the historical context in which these games were created. That's not really the focus of what we're doing, because a lot of the games that we do review are, you know, already revered classics. We want to know how fun they are to play today. Have they actually stood the test of time? Can you sit down with them in the year of our Lord 2019 and still have fun playing them in amongst all the other more modern titles? So this week we did Armored Core. It was originally released in 1997 by the aforementioned From Software. It was re-released in 2007 on the PlayStation Network. But apart from that, those are the only ways to really play the game. And uh, like we've done a couple of times in the past, we uh, emulated it this week. So, James, what what emulator did you play it on? Um, I think I played it on EPSXE, 
Um, I'm not sure I would recommend using this one in particular because I think Armored Core in particular is a good option to play on an emulator because of the option to rebind controls, something that I'm sure will go into a lot of detail later, but I would probably recommend finding an emulator that allows you to more easily rebind controls, specifically X input, um, which it didn't allow me to rebind during my playthrough. Can you, can you just clarify what you mean by the X input? Um, so X input is, you know, the input standard used by, you know, Xbox controllers rather than, um, you know, PlayStation or other kind of controllers which use the direct input method. Um, direct input controllers, if you have them, can be rebound on this emulator, but apparently 360 and, you know, Xbox One controllers just are stuck with the default controls. EPSXE, at least for me, I had serious issues with it. Not only did it just refuse to read my controller at all, like it, I, I could get it working on keyboard, but I couldn't. My it just wasn't reading my controller for some reason. I don't know if that's the game or a dodgy BIOS or whatever. But also, there were massive graphical glitches, like the screen kept flashing. So uh, normally, I do use EPSXE, but I just used a older one, just called PSX for this time, and uh, I, I wasn't able to rebind the controllers, but at least I could play the game with the controller. And um, it just ran a lot more smooth, smoothly for me. So uh, basically play around until you find an emulator that works to best suit your needs, I guess, because we didn't get any sort of consistent method to get this game working smoothly. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, you can get it on the PlayStation Network if you so feel so inclined. But strongly recommend um, playing in a way that lets you rebind your controls. Um, so Patrick, did you want to give us you know, a quick overview of the game? Yeah, so um, Armored Core is a mech game. Um, I haven't actually played any mech games before, so I don't know much of a point of comparison, but you control a mech, and your mech has guns and swords and missiles, and you fly around the screen and you shoot other mechs. That's the that's the basis of the gameplay. It's a very Japanese-style mecha game, um, and the mechs in this game are called Ravens. So, and, you know, they're a lot more akin to, like, a Gundam than they are, you know, a mech warrior Western-style tank suit. Um, so it's oh a God. lot more... I, I didn't even realize there was a difference. Is this an anime thing I'm unaware of? I don't know about that, but it's definitely a very Japanese game. Um, but there's so. So what's the difference? Can you can you just explain that for me? Like, as someone who's like pretty ignorant of mech culture, as it were, what what's the difference between a tank style mech and a Japanese style mech? Well, generally, uh, Japanese style mechas are a lot more humanoid in their appearance. You know, they have legs and humanoid looking arms and the cockpit's always like a human head, essentially. Um, whereas uh -huh. I think Western games tend to have much more kind of realistic looking mechs. They've got like no head like that looks like a human face. They have just a big, large kind of cockpit with two very large Usually reverse jointed legs and some, you know, mounted cannons on the side. Um, think maybe Mech Warrior, that kind of thing. Okay, sure. I, I, I guess I don't see it as a, I guess, a, you know, a one or the other thing. It seems more like um, a sliding scale, right? Like you can have mechs that become less and less human and more like tanks, right? Yeah, I just think it's like, I think the Japanese uh, mechs tend to be more humanoid than Western ones. All right, that's fair. 
Sorry, I, I just wanted to, I know that I took that slightly off topic, but I'm just trying to contextualize and understand um, because just, just for me coming into this, I'm not really familiar with the broader genre. Like I, I also know Power Ranger mechs, but that, that's about the extent of my knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the general, I guess, premise of this game, it doesn't have like a clearly strung together story, but the premise is that this is a future dystopia where the surface of the earth has been ravaged with nuclear warfare. So everyone's, you know, was forced to retreat underground and humanity's starting to emerge again, uh, which is why robots and mechs are being used so much. Uh, and the world is largely, it largely seems controlled by two to three mega corporations. Governments don't really exist. It's just these corporations. And the group you're with, the Ravens, are um, are a group of mercenaries. So you take missions from whoever's going to pay you money, essentially, uh, whatever those missions happen to be. Yeah, and the general, um, I didn't really notice this until about halfway through the game, but the general, um, you know, meta gameplay loop of this game is that um, you kind of put together your ideal, like, Raven that you want to pilot, um, you know, through buying and selling and equipping parts. And then you go to the mission screen and you'll have, you know, a bunch of missions that you can pick and choose from. Um, and actually, depending on what missions you choose, I think there's some branching paths throughout this game through the story. Um, the story isn't very explicit. You kind of have to, you know, classic from software, you have to piece it together um, as you go and maybe through multiple playthroughs. But I did notice that as I was picking certain missions in the mission logs, other ones were disappearing forever. So there definitely was this um, kind of branching path that you can take um, depending on what you choose. I do want to mention um, with the with the missions, and I guess it's kind of an interesting perspective that you don't really see much you're not really a hero in this game you're not even remotely a good guy did you uh did you pick up on this james i think you're just like a dude like in the middle of this massive conflict sandwiched between these huge mega corporations um and really you're just doing what you want for money like um that's your primary motivation the kind of the group that you work for is a mercenary group that will do whatever um, is asked of them for the right price essentially but that's what i'm saying that's where i think uh if you can read between the lines a bit it becomes clear that you are not a good guy because the way the mission briefs are framed are essentially pieces of propaganda when you get a you know, a briefing from either side, they'll always frame it as if the thing they're asking you to do is a very just thing. Yes. But in the course of playing this game, you do things like kill squatters illegally. One of the missions involves you going to a city and just causing as much destruction Havoc as, you can, as you can. Yeah, yeah. Including killing hundreds and possibly even thousands of civilians through your actions. Um, you resolve worker disputes like uh, people are essentially having a union strike and they call you in to murder everyone in cold blood. I think that it's pretty clear you're a pretty evil dude. And maybe there's a path through the game that involves not accepting any of these suspicious missions. 
but uh, I don't really think so. I think that you're just an evil dude who's just killing people for money. I don't know about evil. I'd say closer to the neutral on the scale of everything. You don't really care what you're doing, and you're not, like, doing it for fun. You're just, you're just after, like, that cash reward at the end of the day. That's still, that's still evil. If, you're, if your guiding moral philosophy is, I'm going to kill people for money, including innocent civilians, it's still evil. You're, you're maybe not um, a evil person with a plan, but you're still evil. Yeah, I mean, obviously by real-world standards that is the case, yeah, but I, I think in video game kind of like D&D uh, morality scales, this is technically on the neutral side. I think it's technically the evil side on the D&D scale, actually. But uh, I mean, you're not trying to accomplish anything evil. Yeah, sure. If, if you're killing civilian innocent people for money, that's evil. That seems pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree that the action you are doing is evil, but your motivations aren't like, I want to kill people because it's fun, or I want to take over the world. You're just like a hired gun. You're just a guy. Sure, I, okay, like I see what you say, you're not like motivated by a particular philosophy or agenda. Yeah. To me, that that I would describe a person like that as neutral evil, if we're going to look at the... Yeah, no, I can agree with that, that's fine, yeah. But yeah, I, I just found it interesting playing this game, um, and this is something that From Software definitely carried on, that ambiguity, I guess, sometimes maybe you are the bad guy. Hmm. The storytelling in this game, um, I noticed, is nowhere near as strong as in the like later titles. Um, my favorite from software stories are the ones that you know are told very environmentally, and this game takes that direction, but the execution just is nowhere near as refined or as you know quality as their later titles. Um, I found it actually very, very difficult to know what was going on in an overall sense, and there were a bunch of uh, I guess story beats near the end of the game that came out of nowhere and you know I really didn't know where they came from honestly I think um, you get a good sense of what the world is like but in terms of um, your own personal story I found it very hazy towards the end yeah and a large part of that is the way the um, missions are structured it, it's just like these random missions it's like oh okay I'm destroying a fuel depot oh okay I'm destroying this gun emplacement oh, I'm taking on a terrorist group, and you just seem to randomly bounce from one to the other without any overall story, as you said, until the very end. And overall, I don't have a problem with that direction. In fact, I'm actually really intrigued by this direction of just kind of piecing the world together through, like, what you get from the missions. I just think it needed to be, you know, better, right? Like, I don't think there's any problem with the idea they had they just weren't able to you know fully realize it in this game well i mean i i don't i'm not i'm not too sure about that i i think that when you choose to have a bunch of individual missions with nothing connecting them it can mean that it doesn't feel super cohesive unless there's lots of information and storytelling that you can pick up as you actually proceed through the mission and that doesn't exist either. Uh, it's it's almost too light a touch. Even Dark Souls has the item descriptions yes. to help piece together a larger picture. This doesn't even have that. So I think that if they want to take this approach, they needed to 
put more incidental world building along the way. And I just don't really see that as existing in the way that... Yeah, no, it absolutely doesn't. Um, But there is, like... The world progresses as you play the game. There are essentially two primary mega corporations that you're doing jobs for, Chrome and Murakumo. And, you know, effectively these two are at, like, butting heads with each other throughout the entire story, and you can pick and choose missions to help them or spite them, you know, however you feel. I don't think that either of them is particularly more virtuous than the other, but I did end up picking Murakumo more often than the Chrome missions when I could. Yeah, funnily enough, I was just kind of very uh, ambivalent towards either side. Like, Like I said, the way I interpreted it was... Every time either side gave me a mission, they portrayed themselves as virtuous and just and glorious, and the other side as being scum and not yeah. worth trusting and yeah. dodgy. And because of that, I kind of didn't trust either of them. So I was almost picking randomly between them. I didn't have a preference for either one over the other. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to actually... Usually we give a spoiler warning, but it's actually really hard to spoil this plot because, um, <laughs> like, the overall plot barely exists, honestly. Um, there's stuff at the end that I really don't know what happened. But, you know, I actually didn't hate the story of this game. Um, I just thought it could be a lot better than it was. It wasn't, like, offensively bad. I find the... Um, you know, the general concept and the idea of being this mercenary group sandwiched between all these crazy mega corporations to be quite appealing, um, it just wasn't handled very well. Yeah, I'm I'm lower on it than you are. I think it was incredibly poorly executed. Uh, there were some interesting details in there. Like I said, this these hints of dystopia, the fact that you seem to be a bad guy, but it's it never really goes anywhere. Yeah. And um, I think that was a missed opportunity. Uh, the the later takes and later from software games is far more sophisticated much, way of telling much, the story. Much better. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think there's some intriguing ideas here, but really they just didn't do anything with it. You know, the story is a very light touch and it's it's not great. Yeah. It, like you said, it doesn't get in the way of enjoying it or anything, but it's uh it's not it's, it's pretty, pretty mediocre. Um, you know, obviously there's which we haven't played more armor cord games in the series. Um, I actually hope that when I get around to playing or when we get around to getting to play those titles, um, that the story takes a similar direction but just does it better. Um, because I think there could be uh, a lot of fun to be had in this kind of uh, method of storytelling. Um, so did you want to start talking about the gameplay now? Because this is a mech game, um, and you know, the story takes a big bat seat to, uh, you know, just running around and shooting things. Absolutely. So with gameplay, I think that the place we need to start with, uh, are the controls. Oh my god, yes. This game was created in that weird, awkward time in the PlayStation 1's life cycle before analog sticks had been invented and because of that there are some very noticeably big issues with the control scheme it's effectively a third person shooter without analog sticks and this basically means that movement is on the directional button and looking up down left and right is tied to the shoulder buttons like left trigger looks down and right trigger looks up the control scheme in this game 
is incredibly janky and although you can rebind it to being a bit more modern with you know a, an emulator the ones we were using didn't quite support that so we were stuck using these uh quite dated controls so the, what you want to do as you want to do with all you know third person games in the new millennium is you want to have movement on the left trigger and you want to have um sorry yeah movement on the left trigger camera control on the right trigger easy you can trigger. move your guy with one you can you can sorry on the stick on the left stick and camera movement on the right stick move your person with one stick swing around and so you can look at things with the right stick easy this game the um it doesn't work like that. The right stick doesn't do anything because this was before analog sticks was a thing. Yeah. So the closest you've got is you've got strafing left and right to supplement uh, turning and moving forwards and backwards. And that's it. That's your total control over the character's orientation. Uh, and you can look up and down with the other two trigger buttons. I'm going to make a bold claim here. These are the worst controls I've ever experienced in a game I've ever played. I honestly, for their time, they're probably kind of impressive that From Software managed to make a third-person game with no analog sticks, but by today's standard, this is just, like, absolutely painful to control. A huge part of the problem is the nature of the game as well, because it requires uh, quite fast movement and quite a yep. bit of precision. It kind of amplifies the issue. If this was like a third-person Monkey Island game where you're walking around talking to people, it would be far less of an issue. But this is a fast-paced third-person shooter, so precision is required, but it feels awful when you're holding it in your hands. Yeah, and it, it's really, really unintuitive and difficult to master. I like difficult movement that you have to practice a lot to get good at, but the problem with this game is that the minimum standard is so low that half the time, you know, you're struggling to move around a corner kind of thing. Um, or if you mm -hmm. go up a hill, you find yourself looking up at the sky and then you're trying to, like, look down while also moving out of the way or something and you keep forgetting what's what because these controls are just so alien compared to every control scheme that's been released in what the last 20 years you, you mentioned mastering them let me tell you i am nowhere near mastering these <laughs> yeah controls. me neither like not not even close i i definitely got more used to them as time progressed but the controller always felt like an uncomfortable hunk of metal in my hands. I never felt I never e felt comfortable with these. close to comfortable, yeah. And I watched some YouTube videos of people playing, and I was like, well, clearly there is a level of mastery you can acquire if you spend enough time. But even then, I was watching these people who, were, who looked like professional Armored Core players play. And I could still see them struggling, struggling in certain situations. Oh, it's so rough. And not only that, but the camera is kind of slow to follow you when you turn. So, like, if you're trying to do a lot of quick turns, often you kind of have to do it by instinct because you can't actually see what's in front of you because the camera is just pointing in, you know, a completely unhelpful direction. Um, There's a weird thing you do to accelerate your turning where you kind of strafe in the opposite direction yeah. to where you want to turn. And it's like, it feels... It, it like feels eventually so wrong. Eventually, but it feels wrong, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, the impact of the control scheme and maybe some of the things that the game does to kind of alleviate its problems. Yes. But 
the major thing I wanted to talk about is the way in which the control scheme kind of forced me to play in a particular way. Me too. Because I think that the most effective way to play Armored Core is to like maintain a mid-range distance at all times. Okay. I don't know if you had that issue at all, but I found that if I got too close in into combat with another mech, if it was a fast-moving mech... It was impossible to keep them on screen, right? It's impossible, right? Yeah, yeah. So whenever you got in close, you were forced to uh, boost backwards out and resume that mid-range engagement territory. Yeah, one of the first things that I noticed when playing this game is that I really enjoyed, like on the first maybe three levels, um, your mech starts out with this energy sword, which does like an obscene amount of damage in melee. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. like boosting up to things and slashing them and watching them explode. But as the game went on, I noticed that things were getting faster and faster and faster. And like you said, if I get too close to an enemy mech, it zooms around and it's impossible to get the camera to follow it on screen. So it, you just that option just disappears um, unless you're incredibly good, which I was not. Yeah, and you, you lose track of them and they're in close range, so they're shooting you, and you can't see where their projectiles are coming from, so you can't accurately dodge them. Correct. Against a lot of enemy mechs, getting into close combat is like a death sentence. Yeah. There, there, there are some enemy mechs that are specifically weak to close combat, mm. but on the whole, you're right. They get faster and more mobile as time goes on. My favorite part of this game is actually the loadout system, which we're going to talk a bit more in depth later, but I just wanted to give a quick overview before I made my next point. Um, so between missions you have an amount of money that you can spend on parts to upgrade your mech with and your your, your mech has like 8, 10, 12 different slots that you can adjust you know with uh, four different weapon types like missiles on your back and guns in your hands and uh, swords on your wrist and that kind of thing and I think there was actually, there's actually a lot of flexibility here to choose you know your own kind of play style there's the option to play really fast mobile mechs that jump around all over the place and are really agile dodging bullets and that kind of thing or you can play like slower really heavy tankier mechs um and i really like games that let you choose your own play style i think it's really fun the problem with armored core one is that i found that the poor controls the bad camera um, really disincentivized me from picking these, these probably the more fun playstyle, which is the fast, speedy, dodgy kind of character. Um, and I felt pigeonholed into playing these really slow, big, tanky mechs that just stood in place, didn't move, and just fired these crazy strong guns um, without taking, like, while shrugging off damage and just you know, blasting from a distance, because it meant I didn't have to deal with the controls. Um, anywhere near as much you know there's this really cool loadout system in the game and i can't make full use of it because the game's controls are just that bad so i wasn't quite that extreme i used both i I used both fast mechs and slow mechs but if i was ever struggling too much and that happened a lot i would often change to a slow mech as a way to solve my problems i guess i i found um strafing to be quite effective at at avoiding damage in a lot yep. of times but there were definitely fights where it was just too hard for me i'm like nope 
flip the easy mode <laughs> button, give me the big heavy mech so I can just tank the damage instead of doing all these ridiculous maneuvers. And don't get me wrong, I don't hate the idea of playing a big heavy mech. I just wanted a bit more variety, you know? Like, I, I genuinely love the idea of being this huge armored behemoth that destroys people with the power of money. But um, I think that it just really unfairly biases that playstyle compared to the other one the controls are this hard to handle so one of the other things i wanted to mention is how uh aiming works in this game because uh it wasn't quite what i was expecting essentially there's a massive reticle in the middle of your screen and if that reticle goes over the top of any enemy it locks onto them and when you shoot bullets at them it will track them. So there's like this auto-aim system. Yeah. And I guess in hindsight, this is obvious, like it's a third-person console shooter. Of course, there wouldn't be this precise emphasis on aiming. But at the same time, it took me off guard just the massiveness of the reticle. But I'll tell you, even with it as big as it is, the controls are so bad that it's still a struggle to get enemies in on that entire half of your screen. I think as a big mech, the uh, the super auto-aim is really flavorful as being this big target lock-on system, and I'm definitely really glad it exists in this game. It made oh the process God. of aiming much easier. You know, it's like the entire screen where it auto-locks on, and it's still difficult to shoot things sometimes because of the controls. Um, I'm very glad that this feature exists in the game. I think it would be basically unplayable without it. Now, this game that I'm going to talk about has nothing to do with mech games, but honestly, it's my closest point of reference. Have you ever played the Tribes games, James? Yes, Tribes played... I played Tribes Ascend when it was, uh, you know, before Tyrez killed it um, in favor <laughs> of uh, some newer games. But yes, I have oh. played Tribes. I played Tribes 2, I played Tribes Ascend, um, I even played Tribes Vengeance, which was the third Tribes game that was much maligned by the community. And um, all I can think of when comparing these games is like the elegance and fluidity and beauty of playing Tribes and flying through the air at hundreds of kilometers an hour and the precise aiming you do while turning around at fast speeds. And then you have this game. Which is, which is another mech game in, in a way, and it's just the polar opposite. So I agree with you. These are some of the worst controls I've ever used in my life, and it's very disappointing that it's, it's affected the experience of playing the game as much as it has. It's lucky that I believe the rest of the series um, was made after analog sticks were invented, but too late for Armored Core 1 in that regard, unfortunately. Um, let's stop shitting on the controls because I, I could do it for hours, honestly. I hate them so much. Um, Me too. And let's move on maybe to, I guess, the like the gameplay outside of that. Should, um, should we take a music break now? Yeah, sure. Um, did you want to tell us about your favorite track? So, uh, spoilers for the music part. I'm kind of down on the music overall, but this is one of the tracks. This is probably my favorite of a bad bunch. It's called Junk Mail. I liked it because most of the music is kind of this repetitive techno beeps and buzzes with some snare drums. It's almost like drum and bass, but not quite, I'd say. Um, it's very, very very percussive, yeah, um, with yeah, a lot of beats It's just and without the bass. It's got like these yeah. retro computer noises instead of the bass, I guess. Yeah, drum and but beeps. 
<laughs> the, 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 this one junk mail it has some higher tone twangs so it stood out for me as being ever so slightly different so uh here is junk mail So one of the things that stood out to me is something I really enjoyed about this game actually was the economy. In this game you have money that you get from beating missions and you can use your money to buy and sell robot parts for your raven. The money is awarded to you in a few different ways. Um, so if a mission says you get 30,000 credits for beating it, you do, but at the end of the mission you also lose money for how much damage you took and also how much ammo you used, which to me, you know, makes perfect sense flavor-wise. Um, and I thought was actually a really good way of punishing the player for taking too much damage without just having the player have like no health and die and have to redo the mission a lot of times. You really do feel the squeeze if you aren't careful with your ammo and if you aren't careful with taking some, you know, stray enemy fire. And I actually really enjoyed thinking about how much money I was going to get at the end of each mission and trying to conserve my ammo, you know, as much as I could. Uh, yeah, no, no, it was um, it was very well done. And as you said, very, um, very flavorful for a mercenary company to care so much about every single bullet fired. It's worth noting that there's also bonuses that you get for completing optional yes. objectives. And I always tried to pursue those bonus objectives because money is so important. Money is everything in the, in the everything world. Everything in uh, this universe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you get enough of it, you can absolutely, as I said before, just plow through enemies with the raw supreme power of money. And uh, it's so good. I like it because you can... Like, when you go to choose your loadout for the coming mission, every gun, you, the ammo for the gun costs a different amount. And if you're struggling with a mission, you can take these crazy missile launchers that cost, like, so much per every rocket you shoot, but they absolutely decimate enemies. But, you know, obviously the trade-off is you lose a lot of money in the long run. So I, I really liked that trade-off of there's the best weapons, but there's a very big downside financially to using them. Economy-wise, the way it works is that you get money, but you can also do this thing where you sell your old gun and get a new gun instead of just acquiring an ever-increasing arsenal. Yeah. And I did that all the time. I, for most of the time, I wasn't. I didn't have like three head parts and four different guns. I had one or two guns at most because I'd always sell the old one and buy the new one. Yeah. And what that kind of means effectively is that as you get more and more money, you're kind of like crossing thresholds. Yes. While you don't have every gun in your inventory at the same time, there's nothing stopping you selling your gun 
and rebuying it at a later time. So once you get the most expensive parts, you kind of have access to everything, which is kind of like an odd way to do it, but it, but it works reasonably well. Yeah. You get more options as the game expands. You just have to be prepared to sell off all your old bits. Yeah, it just it means you can't have the best gun and the best legs at the same time, for example, mm. until you've acquired enough funding. Um, and you know when you end mission when you lose missions in this game that isn't game over it just means you lose a lot of money and then have to do a mission again um i generally found i would reload a save um if i lost too much money on a mission when i game overed um i found there was like no downside to doing that it did take a while but it was something you can do because it just limits your gameplay options and you know made me so sad if i lost half my money to a botched mission I reloaded a lot of saves. I admit it. I'm a save scummer <laughs> in this game. I uh, I didn't save scum mid-mission. Yeah, I me neither. Never, much, ever. Every single time reloaded my save if I lost a mission. I feel like if you don't do that, you can probably brick your save somehow. There, There is one exception. There was one mission I save scummed on. Do you remember the capsule mission where you have to pick up the capsules? Um, I don't think I got that one, actually. Okay, well, with this one, you had to... It's like a really long mission. At the end of it, you pick up a capsule... But okay. at the end of the mission, I pressed the pickup button, but I was moving as I did it. So, of course, I swung my sword at it and destroyed it, and it was mission over. What? So, <laughs> so when I redid that mission, I um, made sure to quick save several times throughout so I didn't repeat that uh, embarrassing incident again. But what? but that aside, I didn't, uh, I didn't save Scum. My favorite mission failure for me was there's this mission where you're tasked to guard this secret technology at this abandoned mm -hmm. warehouse. And one of the things you can do is actually go into the warehouse and press circle on the secret weapon, which gives you the part but instantly fails the mission because you're going against your objective. But you get the part and it goes into your inventory. And I thought that was like really cool that the game allows you to do that. I, I had no idea you could do that. I didn't do that. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and there's, I guess there's generally a lot of hidden parts throughout the game, which were really well hidden, like more so than maybe From's other games like Dark Souls and Sekiro and like their newer titles. Um, these parts are actually like really hard to see on the ground, but finding them is well worth it. Um, because they're usually very powerful, and even if they're not, you can sell them for a lot of free cash. Did you find the Karasawa uh, laser rifle? That was the one in the t like the mission where you had to blow Shield up all the tankers. One? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I never actually got to use the weapon because my favorite pair of legs weren't compatible with it, so I couldn't equip it. Um, Dude, it's it's stupid. Is like, it really I good? it's it's really good like i i tried new guns as as the game went on but yeah. i kept coming back to it it was i don't know if it's like a secret overpowered weapon or something but it was it was really good yeah. I, I used it until the end of the game it was very happy okay with it. yeah i liked the energy weapons because the idea is that they don't cost ammo to use but they're yes, generally very like useful. A, a little bit weaker maybe not in the case of that gun but i generally found that um 
the physical shell weapons were really powerful, especially there's this pair of arms that can't hold guns, but instead the arms are like a pair of Gatling guns. Yes. And they just shred through enemies, um, although they do use ammo quite quickly. Um, I will make a note on the um, on the way the uh, different parts are presented to you. It's very information light. It kind of just yes. has the name of the part, and the name of the part very rarely gives away what the part actually does. So if you want there to There is know, a button you can press for a bit more information. That would have been useful to know about. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, I was I was just consulting wikis. So I was like, all right, what does sure. this part do? What does this part do? I, ha- how extensive is the information it gives you? I wouldn't say it's super extensive, but like it's enough that I didn't need to look anything up online, basically. Sure. Um, I found that... It's like kind of vague, but, you know, enough that you know what you're getting into. So I found that it encouraged ex- uh, experimentation um, in my experience. I, I'm the kind of person who wants, like, all of the information. I want you to give me as much as you can, and that helps me make an informed decision. So the even if there was only a little bit of information, more, more than I was aware of, it still probably wouldn't have been enough to satisfy me. I want to know what I'm getting into if I'm going to drop, you know, $50,000 cash on a component. <laughs> yeah, but you can you can sell everything back for full value, like, all the time. So there's no reason to not just give something a go. James, I had to kill so many workers who were being underpaid and poorly treated. <laughs> the least I can expect is some specs on the technology I'm getting. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so... Their missions were actually quite varied, I found, and not all of them were fun, but I did find that there was a good variety in them in general. All right, Um, justify their variety to me, because in effect, I felt that they boiled down to the same thing over and over again. Really? Okay, so there was missions that were just go in and kill dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the majority of the missions, but they were often framed in different ways, like... There was a difference between going in and clearing a warehouse of worker robots versus being in this test arena with this highly advanced AI robot that was super jumpy and much harder to fight. Um, And then there was this one mission I really liked. There were these little drones that didn't attack, but when you shot them, they exploded. And you had to make sure that you exploded them not close to these oil tankers because it would blow up the facility and you'd fail the mission. Um, and that's definitely different to just combat missions. Okay, that's fair. And then there was stuff like there was this poison gas level where you had to do the level really quickly um, and find all these things and then get out before your mech degraded. There was, albeit a really bad platforming level, but there was a platforming level. And then there was a mission that took place in a minefield with just regular tanks and you had to destroy the tanks without stepping on too many mines. Okay, um, I, you've made your point, sir. I, I can see that there are... I, I think you're right in that there are little tweaks to the formula. Yeah, I, I would were... just say that most of the time you're going in and destroying enemy mechs with your mech. Yeah, which honestly I like because it keep, it uses the core gameplay. Um, and even though, you know, you can question the core gameplay, but I prefer missions in games that still use the core gameplay as the main focus and then tweak it slightly to mix it up and keep it more interesting um, rather than just having you do the same thing over and over or throwing these really left-field mini-games at you that just have nothing to do with the rest of the game. Yeah, that's fair. Perhaps my, I guess, 
problems originate with the fact that I found the core gameplay so unsatisfying because of the controls. So yeah. even though if there were little tweaks and little changes, the fact that it kept, I guess, I kept ha- having to repeat the same gameplay eventually grated on me. Yeah. Because at the by the end of the game, I was like, I was starting to get sick of it. And part of that is that I, you know, played for three or four hours today because I've had two blackouts in the past couple of days. <laughs> but honestly, I was like, I'm sick of shooting mechs with my mech, please. It's like, oh, I'm shooting mechs in a warehouse. Now I'm shooting mechs in a facility. And those minor tweaks weren't enough to distract from the fact that the essential gameplay was still the same. I actually really liked that the missions in general are actually really short. Um, There's about 47 missions in the game, and you don't have to do all of them to finish the game, depending on what path you take. Although there is, you know, like there's a path progression system, but it's very unclear to the player. Like you never know how close you are to the end or what route you're going down. Um, it just kind of happens, and I I'm, I don't mind that. Um, just you know, instead of playing all forty seven missions, you might finish the game at like mission thirty or something, and and each of the missions is really really short, maybe two minutes long at most, apart from the final level, which is quite long. Um, and I quite liked that. You know, it made every gameplay mission short and sweet. Although you know, maybe sometimes playing this game wasn't as sweet as it could have been, <laughs> but I did enjoy the really like bite sized mission structure. There were some missions that really annoyed me with how they were set up. There was one where um, some mechs from, I think it was Chrome, went in ahead of you, and the mission briefing says something to the effect of, we sent our mechs in ahead of you. You're to act as their bodyguard. Any ones that get destroyed, we're going to deduct money from, from your pay. I was like, if I'm their bodyguard, <laughs> why did you send them in in front of me? Yeah, and- right. I like rolled through the front doors before I can can even reach the aggressive mechs. They've already blown up one of the chrome mechs. I'm like, is this some kind of joke? Just (laughs) why are they here? Right? I don't even know. Um, You know, I've got a very, very controversial opinion about this game. Um, And that's that despite how much it hurts me to say this, I actually think I enjoyed playing this game um, for the whole, you know, We've spent a good, like, 45 minutes kind of, like, shitting on it for everything we can imagine. But at the end of the day, I actually had a lot of fun playing this game, and I'm really surprised about that. Like, the controls were awful. I don't think it looks particularly great. The story's pretty bad. But just going through rooms and shooting dudes with auto-aim, and there was something about it that I just liked, right? Um, And I can't put my finger on it, like... If you take the individual pieces of this game, like, I think they're all pretty bad, but there was something fun about being in this giant, heavily armored mech and just mowing down hordes of other robots. Yeah, I I disagree. Like, I mean, I think that there is something interesting about this game. I think that with a different control scheme and with a different framing, I can see the base of this game turning into something interesting. Mm. But I did not have fun with this game. I found the fundamental gameplay way too frustrating. Eventually, I found a loadout that didn't require me to move my camera up or down because I had this this head that the um, auto-aim box changes with the different loadouts you have. Mm. And I had one that essentially was wide enough that I never needed to move my like viewport up or down too much. I could just stay back far enough 
Um, and, you know, I had this, like, add-on to my mech that would automatically shoot missiles when it locked on to enemies. So by the end of the game, I had rigged my mech in such a way that I didn't have to fight the controls too much. And I think that went a long way in making the mid and late sections of the game much more fun for me than the beginning was which and honestly when i started playing this game for the first few hours i hated the experience like i was not having fun with armored core one until maybe like five hours in and then like all of a sudden i just realized i was enjoying myself and wanted to keep playing you know and i was at work and i was thinking man i wish i was playing armored core right now which you know i did not expect after the how poor um the first few hours left their impression on me yeah while i never had like the level of fun you had the one thing which i think this game has going for it is the customization there is an incredible level of customization here. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I know you didn't get the full use out of it because you were more inclined towards the heavy mechs, but I felt like I was playing a lot more with loadouts uh, in as a way to try and have success on missions. I struggled a lot with this game. It was kind of frustrating because I wanted to get good at, I guess, controlling my mech. And I never felt like I was really good at controlling my mech because the controls were just getting in the way. So the thing I did to try and win missions was I tried to get the best mech loadout. So yep. um, there were missions where the I wanted the AOE of a grenade launcher or a flamethrower to deal with those bugs. I don't know if you fought the bugs at all. But yeah, I did fight the bugs, yep. yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted those sort of guns and that missions. Um, there are ones where I wanted the machine gun. There were ones where I wanted tanky loadouts versus mobile loadouts. Uh, and I messed around a lot with it. Uh, you know, half the time it says, you know, insufficient energy and you can't even, you know... Yeah, that's because you made your mech from. Jeez, Patrick. I, I know, I know, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's it's a good thing. Like, I spent yeah. a lot of time messing around in the customization options. I would have preferred if I didn't have to, if I could just, you know, get good with the light mech and fly around like an idiot. Um, I did that a little bit because, yeah. you know, this is a game where... It's much more about your ability to avoid damage than effectively deal it. Yep. So sometimes I'd be strafing and boosting correctly to dodge enemy fire. But eventually I'd come across someone too mobile. They keep closing into close range. I'd get frustrated and I'd change to a much more tanky loadout. Yeah, so. my loadout was always I drive up to this guy, I stand in place, I hold the fire button, he explodes. <laughs> Because um, I was just wearing the tankiest possible armor at all times, basically. Um, and I did have a fairly mobile set of legs on. There's these, like, quad legs, kind of, that let you hover around. And it makes it a lot easier to strafe and move around quickly, I found, on the ground. Um, and I did use those for the majority of the game. But I, I, in general, I agree with you, right? I think that the customization in this game is by far the best part of Armored Core 1. Um, and in mm -hmm. fact, I think it's really good. You're really rewarded for reading through the mission briefing, seeing the enemies you'll be fighting, and then going into the customization garage and picking a loadout that isn't advantageous to you. But it's not so rigid that you will 100% lose the mission if you don't pick the right loadout. It's more yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah, it's more like you just you get some bonuses and it's easier 
um, which I like because it means you're never going to fail missions because you were too stupid or you couldn't read real good. So I, I really like that balance that they've struck here. You know, you're definitely rewarded for picking your parts carefully, but, you know, it's not going to be impossible if you don't do it. And I found that there was enough variety here in every single part slot that I had a lot of fun every time I changed and was trying out new things. It's funny, uh, you say if you read ahead, you can figure it out. In practice for me, I would go into a mission, I'd fail it, and then I'd use the information I got from the failure to retech more appropriately for the mission. Okay. I kind of, it was a trial and trial and error sort of approach I used. I, I never felt like I could get quite enough information to be properly prepared, particularly since a lot of it's, you know, it's like you're facing this kind of mech. I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. Uh -huh. And I'm not going to look up a wiki to confirm what that means. Yeah. In general, if I saw flying units, I made sure to have auto aim missiles equipped um, and lots oh of them because they're flying really enemies are so annoying. They're so annoying if you don't have the right gear. Um, so I specifically looked out for those. Um, and then, the like theoretically, you can use the trigger buttons to look up and down. But no, no, I'm when, not doing it. I know, right? <laughs> like when everything else is so difficult to control your mech, also trying to tilt up and down is just so painful. Oh my god, like, I just so... want analog sticks. And yeah, if you're gonna play this game, get an emulator where you can rebind the like the looking up and down to the right analog stick because you can do that. Um, and I think it would make playing this game a lot more fun um, than it currently is. Um, did you want to have one more music break and then we can go into aesthetics, like music and Sounds graphics? Good. Yeah. Um, so I'm not as low as Patrick is on the music. Um, I thought it did an okay job of establishing, you know, the genre and the tone that it's trying to go for. And as we said before, it's kind of like, it's like drum and bass without the bass and instead lots of robot beeps and boops and i found actually like listening to it during gameplay i thought it was pretty mode mediocre but you know on reflection it it's, the soundtrack isn't that bad um in some cases i think it's quite good like in this case which is my favorite song in the game called integrity and it has this really nice kind of piano throughout the piece which really makes it stand out from the other very percussive tracks so here's integrity You said you didn't like the soundtrack um did you want to kind of explain yourself buddy i think the main problem is how repetitive it sounds mm. uh i and maybe maybe the issue is more me listening to the soundtrack separately um after i finished the game because honestly i didn't really notice it too, yeah, me too. too much while playing the game except i remember being vaguely annoyed by some tracks but when i tried to listen to the whole thing together i was like I don't want to do this. Like this is 
This is worse than Beautiful Joe, which, you know, which I criticized last week for not having enough variation. I can't pick a single track and match it to a single level in this game. It all just blends together in this endless mush of drums and techno beats. It's not unbearably bad, but I I didn't enjoy it at all. I, I don't want to listen to it again. I'm done with Armored Core's soundtrack. Honestly, I think the thing that made it not stand out for me was that the missions are so short and that the missions are so loud with explosions and gunfire and mech boosters and that kind of thing. It's actually really hard to hear it over the cacophony going on in each level. Um, so honestly, when like I finished the game, I was trying to think, and the only track I could remember was the menu music, which is like drilled into my head um, from listening to it for so long. And I strongly dislike that track now because I've heard it too much. <laughs> um, you're probably the I same, think- right? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I think part of the problem is, to me, this is not a particularly atmospheric game. Like, when I was playing it, I didn't really get sucked into its world. And I've realized over time the importance of music in setting atmosphere. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the poor music or other aspects which failed to create the sense of atmosphere, but now I associate them with one another. I feel if a game doesn't have I, I i guess my i'm blaming the music i guess in part for failing to set an atmosphere and i think it's a failing of the music so i don't know man once again i'm a music pleb i fully admit it but this is one of the weaker soundtracks we've listened to on the show no i think it's one of the weaker ones as well i just when i was listening to it today i had it in the background while i was playing other games and you know I was quite enjoying it at parts, though I did find myself like forwarding to the next track a couple of times because like two minutes in the constant like dak 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 of the bass drum and the snare was really getting to me. Um, it's and ve- then you get to the next track and it does it all over again. Yeah, it's definitely very repetitive with not a huge amount of variation. There is some like enjoyable tracks here, but for the most part it is pretty samey the entire time. And, you know, the recording quality is pretty... It's pretty dated at this point. It's not particularly high bitrate stuff, so um, it doesn't even have that going for it. So, you know, um, overall, I'd say it's a solid mediocre. Mediocre minus. Mediocre minus. It's worse, <laughs> it's, it's worse than Banjo-Kazooie. So I guess this brings us up to visuals. Um, this game is pretty ugly as well. Um, I want to say more nice things about this game, but I'm you know, struggling at this point, especially the outdoor areas that are just a huge stretch texture on the floor with some really ugly copy-pasted tree sprites. This game does not look nice um, very often. Even even the indoor areas, there are like these awkward pylons just like kind of stretching to eternity and... Ugh. This game looks worse than Va- Vagrant Story, James. And uh, you know how low I was on Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story is the most aesthetic game we have played on this podcast don't you say a bad I, I know, thing but, about it <laughs> but you know how i feel about vagrant story yes so for and me, i know that your fun. opinion is wrong but here i agree with you this game does look worse than vagrant story this game is uglier than quake i actually yes. think this is probably the worst graphics of any game we've played so far it's it's really atrocious i really do like what the mech looks like though the player character 
but everything else I'm really not a huge fan of there were yeah. some nice little details like when you when you shoot an enemy with a rifle you can see like the bullets kind of ricocheting off their body plates and that looks pretty okay although the weird square scrap metal that's falling off things i know gives the it indicates to you that they're falling apart which i like you know is visual feedback it doesn't look very good at all it looks pretty bad and every character explodes in the same way um and the explosion sprites are pretty pretty poor as well it's it's not a very pretty looking game by any stretch although it does have nice menu animations i noticed i really liked um, the menu spinning up and doing a few little flips whenever you chose an option but that's probably the nicest thing i can say about the graphics the um big picture problem with ps1 graphics and 3d graphics from this early era this game was released in 1997 is that this is a game that aspires to a level of realism like uh, the things it's modeling are factories and bridges and you know anti-aircraft gun installments and the problem is graphics that aimed and aspired for realism in 1997 age far 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 worse than graphics that went for a more cartoony style because the cartoony style you know is something that i guess has more charm to it it's got more yeah no absolutely and we still have you know 2d snes style games coming out today that we think look great but the level of realism that we can achieve in video game graphics in 2019 is like an order of magnitude greater than what they could do in 1997. So as a result, if any game that's trying to look realistic just looks terrible, I mean, Max Payne, we talked about this, had the same issue where it looks really bad. But <laughs> Armored Except Core, for the textures. The textures in Max Payne um, are hilarious, but, especially but Arm his face. Armored Core takes it to a whole new level. I, I will agree with James that the... Um, the mech models, at least, are relatively unique in that over the course of the game, you encounter different looking mechs, some, you know, some weird slender looking ones and some more tank like ones. But even then, the models are so low in polygons that it's still hard to get a clear sense of identity. And the texturing is so bad in this game, like painfully bad. And they just stretch them as far as they can stretch and then stretch them some more. Um, the animations are okay. I don't think they're terrible. Your characters move fairly fluidly sometimes, but I don't know. It never got in my way apart from the camera, which was atrocious, but it just, it didn't, it, it hasn't held up well at all, I don't think, unfortunately. And a lot of the locations, like I said, are factories and sewers and it's kind of boring, honestly. They're, they're not really cool places either. Because, you know, you're a mech in a city, and so you go to city-like location. I guess, flavorfully, most of the game takes place underground with some above-surface missions. Um, so there's lots of brown and grey tunnels everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I criticize, as you said, I criticize Quake from being, like, the brownest game I've ever played. But it had a consistent visual direction, at least. It also this, had atmosphere. Yeah, it did have atmosphere. This doesn't have atmosphere, and it just doesn't look very good, honestly. It's aged like milk, graphically. 
So, so to end on a slightly higher note, you mentioned earlier that the sound effects drown out most of the music, and I think that for all my whinging about most of the rest of the aesthetics, I think the sound effects were well done. Yeah, they are. It's nothing revolutionary, but there's a real cacophony of noises. It feels like a battle, and the sound does a lot to bring that to life. Yeah, I love the sound of an enemy exploding. Um, they, it looked bad for the most part, but the sound was great. I um, mean, it felt really re- yeah. rewarding every time something blew up. Yeah, I think the sound... The... All the different guns have their own sounds. Yeah. When you slice on the sword, it creates... Oh, that reminds me. Sounds. One of my favorite um, little touches is at the start of every mission, um, there's this, like, robotic voice that comes from your cockpit that says, you know, all systems online, um, that kind of thing. Depending on which headpiece you have attached, the voice is entirely different um, because it's a different computer, which I thought was, like... There's like a little touch that I just was not expecting to be in there at all. That's a little touch that I didn't notice because yeah. I never notice small details like that. You seem to have a new one every single every single episode we do yeah. where I'm just completely oblivious. <laughs> well, I thought it was really cool. You know, it's a different person making the voice um, for the ship's computer. Um, I mentioned before that there's a lot of hidden weapons around the game that you can pick up. This mm. is the biggest downside of the graphics because like... The guns are brown and the ground is brown and you just can't see them and there's no highlights on them. There's nothing indicating where they are. I reckon I would have like walked over a bunch of them um, without knowing to press circle on them because they only pick up if you press circle. There's no prompt. There's no nothing. They're just incredibly hard to see and I really disliked that because I love going out of my way to find things. Oh, right. Graphically. Uh, Sorry. I thought you were talking about them in a general sense. Yeah, I I agree. They're basically invisible yeah um did you did you end up getting the moonlight greatsword no i didn't i never actually did that mission through the playthrough of the story and while i could have picked it after i'd beaten the story like you know i kind of had my fill of the game at that point yeah um i i wanted to get it just because this is the first appearance of the moonlight greatsword and uh it appeared in every subsequent from software game ever made yeah um one other neat reference i saw one of the missions is called stop gang dark soul i don't know if yeah you, i saw that i don't know if you got that i one. can't believe and i was like haha yeah it's really cool how this game references dark souls yeah i mean that's that's it it's <laughs> yeah. just stop gang dark yeah, soul and i'm like ah so that's where they got the name yeah. of the game anything else you want to cover james i reckon we've done most. yeah i think we've covered basically everything about this game so did you want to wrap us up with your final opinions of armored core one i would be delighted and let me apologize to you bruno but um this game sucks. Like, <laughs> I I think that if the control scheme was better, that I could have enjoyed this game a lot more. And honestly, if they just fixed the control scheme, I can imagine myself having way more fun with this game. But the problem is, it all everything kind of like a lot of the problems they all organically emerge from the control scheme. Uh, like you said, like the fact that we used heavy mechs and the fact that the aiming reticle is huge, it's so fundamental to the game that I don't know if there's a version of Armored Core 1 that I could enjoy. What I will say is that there's enough kind of interesting bits and pieces throughout this game. Like if they were to refine the levels if they were to improve the storytelling if they were to fix the control scheme if they were to make the game look better and improve the atmosphere 
if the music was slightly better. <laughs> there, I can see there being an enjoyable Armored Core game out there. So I'm kind of intrigued by the sequels, Armored Core 2 and 3 and however many more they are, to see if they improve on these core issues. Because I think that it is possible to have a good Armored Core game, to have a good arcade mech shooting game. And I'm particularly interested if there's a version that emphasizes the more action-y style of this game because there were small glimpses I had while I was kind of like boosting around and dodging enemy fire where I was like, this could be a lot of fun, dodging in out of melee combat and swapping weapons and everything. But Armored Core 1 is not fun. Like it's it's just too it's too ugly and it's too awkward to control. So unfortunately, I can't recommend this game. It it just wasn't fun. But I am interested in the broader, and I can see myself definitely giving the sequels or maybe I don't know Mech Warrior or other titles in the broader genre another go because yeah, at its essence, there is something intriguing about this title. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like, if I was to sum up my feelings about Armored Core 1, it is that Armored Core 1 makes me want to play more Armored Core games, but it doesn't make me want to play Armored Core 1 again, if ever. I really think that this game has good direction. What it's trying to achieve is good. Um, the idea of having missions that vaguely tell you this pieced together story bit by bit is great. The economy of this game is great. The customization is really fun and intriguing. I love finding like hidden weapons throughout levels and doing these really short and sweet missions with this super speedy fast mech where I get to dodge out of combat and fly all the way about and you know just make the game my own through customization but this game's controls just ruin the entire thing for me honestly. I did have fun once I managed to figure out you know how to ignore the controls by basically not using them and just having my mech sit there while I held the fire button down and things ran at me but just can't overcome how bad the controls are, how bland it looks, and how, you know, just under average the sound is as well. I don't think this is a great game, and while I did have fun at lots of points throughout, I can't tell somebody else to play it when, you know, there's like five sequels to this game. There's just, I don't think there's a reason to play the first game over any other game in the series, and I haven't even played them, but surely, surely with the introduction of analog sticks, they would be better than this. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I haven't played the sequels, but I just get this feeling that they must improve upon this. Yeah, like, how can right? they go backwards from this? <laughs> so yeah, um, a big no-no from both of us. It's not awful. If you really want to play it for the historical value, try one of the other games first. I'm sure... They would be a lot of fun because, you know, this game gives you glimpses of something that's really fun, but just fails to deliver on its promises. Okay, so I'd say that about wraps up our opinions. Uh, we both think the game sucks, but maybe there's <laughs> potential in future titles. Who knows? Um, thank you so much for listening to us today. We are the Retrospectives podcast, Patrick, Arthur and James Turlings. You can find us at rspodcast.net. Uh, not only do we have all episodes uploaded there, we also have heaps and heaps of articles related to all of our episodes. So you're sure to find at least one 
that piques your interest, or at least I hope so. Uh, you can chuck us an email at retrospectivespodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet. Please follow us at retpodcast. Most importantly of all, um, above and beyond all that other social media rubbish, we have a Discord server and uh, we'll include a link to that Discord server in the show notes. We would love if you would drop by and join the conversation. We uh, have constant conversations and admittedly arguments about all <laughs> video games, old and new. And more than anything else, that's really what I want from doing this show. I want to engage with you guys, whether it's uh, to have a pleasant conversation or get deep into a heavy argument about to, some of the things we've said. So, and to build a fun community where we can, you know, talk with people who love games just as much as we do. So please drop on by. I'd love to say hi, even if it is just to say hi. So uh, that's all the plugging out of the way. It's time to talk about what we're doing next fortnight and into the new year because uh, we're coming up to Christmas. Uh, James and I have decided we're going to have a bit, but we've got one more episode before we take a fortnight off. Do you want to tell everyone about our special episode for the 28th of December or whenever it is we're releasing it? Yeah, so we're going to have a super special episode um, that's going to be the best games that we've played this year on the podcast and maybe even, you know, in general. So it's like a best of episode where we get to talk about our favorite games that we've played on the show up until now. And, um, we, you know, we're going to have a lot of arguments about this. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll um, we'll break down uh, all the, you know, we'll break it down into a bunch of different categories and we'll tell you the best and worst games that we've played so far. So it should be fun. It'll be a fun review. I've certainly played more games this year than I have in my entire life. Right? So, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Um, and if you want to give us some categories, maybe some fun questions, then you know, send us a tweet on Twitter or come join in Discord and let us know. We'll be happy to you know, ask each other some you know, real silly ones for the episode. But uh, until then, thank you so much for listening once again, and we'll see you in a fortnight. See yous.